Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. I have fulfilled my duty in the dog mask for tonight. Uh, a little warm under the lights. Probably didn't need the hoodie. Uh, but the Flyers back in the win column. I am. Yeah, I introduced myself. Joining me tonight. It's the one and only J.P. Zapata. Charlie O'Connor will join us from Chicago in a little bit. But we uh, got back in the win column tonight. Yeah. A 3-1 to one victory for the Philadelphia Flyers beating the tanking Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, it was a little bit of a sketchy first period. It ends 1-1 after 20. And it's like, man, if the Flyers can just stop screwing up, <laughs> they should walk away with this thing. And 3-1, to one, I don't know. If that like really encapsulates how much the Flyers kind of owned most of the final two periods of this game. Yeah. But the most important thing is they get the win. And I think we saw some bounce back performances uh, by a lot of guys after, you know, two straight losses. In particular, Sam Erson tonight uh, comes out, stops 21 of 22, comes up pretty big on uh, some penalty kill situations, some odd man rushes, does allow the one goal, but was... Rock solid outside of that. Uh, Seriously. Looking forward to where Charlie places him in his three stars because just like a lot of this game, you see they only get 22 shots. The Flyers dominated quite a bit of the puck possession, but I, a lot of the chances were high-quality chances for Chicago, and I thought Erickson was really good tonight. Yeah, I noticed that he brought that glove here today as well. A couple goals in the past couple games where have has gone past the glove side of Sam Harrison, but he was huge here tonight. A big reason why the Flyers did win. You mentioned the saves that he had here tonight, but you know, I even look at the second power play opportunity for Chicago and Harrison stood on his head and he had some big saves. I think there was one opportunity where it was like three shots on that left blocker there and Harrison stopped it. But this is what we're talking about. This is what we want to see from Sam Harrison. At times where you do need to rely on your goaltender, he steps up big. And this is the same Harrison we love to see. Bro. No, and that's after I was listening to some of your uh, your post game from Saturday. You and Kelly did a tremendous Thank job you, in my absence. But there was a point where you were talking about Harrison, and he was not good. Like, for whatever reason, you know, maybe he's just a rookie and he's going to be inconsistent. Maybe the bright lights. It was just a little – it was a big game. It was a, it sure. was a real big test for him. Also, we know goalies – Often struggle in those outdoor games, uh, the lights, the uh, eye line, like everything. It's just kind of weird. There's dark, dark seats at MetLife. Maybe you can lose the puck, whatever. But you were getting some comments like, stop making excuses for Airson. And uh, there are reasons for him to have played badly. Also, he might have just sucked that day. But I was glad to see him bounce back with a game tonight to kind of remind everyone of what you were saying. 
You don't judge a goalie on one game. Like, I mean, Jesus, Igor Shesterkin this year has had a lot of bad games, yeah. and he's the best goalie like in the world, has been for three years. And it's like, yeah, sometimes you stink. And Arison did, but this was a big bounce back win against a team the Flyers absolutely had to beat. I, I want to point this out as well because Arison did play really well, but I think the team in front of him played much better too. I mean, he had 21 block shots, but it felt like it was a lot more. Every anytime the Chicago Blackhawks were taking a shot, there was someone there to block. We talked about the power play for Chicago, the entryway on the first one. You saw the Flyers were aggressive. They, they didn't give them anything easy. And I think a big part of Erickson's, yeah, Erickson made some big saves. But I think in front of them, they played much better in this one in the past couple of games. And that was uh, early in the game today. I put a little screenshot out of uh, part of our outline. And it's just kind of detailing what the Flyers have done over the last month against some superstars. Yeah. I started with uh, I started with Saturday's game. Now, I wouldn't call Nico Hishier a star, like an A-level star, but he is a former first overall pick. He's the team captain. He had two goals and an assist in the outdoor game. Well, there's the difference right there. Three points in a game, you lost by three. You also go back to the last game against the Leafs. Matthews had that natural hat trick in seven minutes where he just victimized them. Uh, Pasta, two goals and an assist in that Boston game where they just got run off the ice. Kucherov, I believe it was a hat trick uh, about a month ago. McKinnon had the four-point game against them. Now, those are some good teams with some really great players. For sure. They're superstars, yes. Also, they're surrounded by some really good players. Chicago has Connor Bedard, and he's awesome. But there's no one else that the like defensive attention should be paid to when he's on the ice. It's you should all be focused on it. Now you can't get lost five guys following him. He's going to find someone on the back door and you, you have a problem. But tonight I wanted to see them really tighten up against a great player in Connor Bedard. Now he had some chances. He's going to, he's great. They kept him off the scoreboard. No points tonight played almost 25 minutes, three shots on goal. That's pretty damn good. That they did really a good. pretty good job against a really good player. Now he's coming back. He's got the he's yeah. got the bubble on, coming back from the broken jaw. But in the three games he played prior to this, since coming back, six points. Yeah, he held him off the scoreboard tonight. That's huge. That, it, listen, I was looking forward to this. I wanted to see what Connor Bedard was all about. Obviously, coming off of injuries, a little bit difficult here. But I mean, like, listen, he had some nice moves. You saw some of that skill. He didn't really kill you too much. He didn't get on a score sheet. The only goal that they did have, however. Listen, that first period, the Flyers did a good job of controlling the pace of the game, but there was moments where Chicago caught the best of them. And on that one goal, you had Anderson with it was a solid bank shot, bank pass. The bank pass the was awesome. That was that was spot on there. And finds Colin Blackwell, who you know did a good good job of toe dra- toe dragging and finding finding the puck in the back of the net. And besides that, the Flyers were able to clean it up after that, and they were strong for the next two periods. But you, you seeing Connor Bedard is really what we all really were looking forward to. But yeah, maybe in a couple years, Bill, we'll, we'll, Bedard may be able to beat us on his own like Austin Matthews did a couple days ago. But for right now, he's still a rookie, and he's got to go through growing pains with a team, like you mentioned, Stankin. Now it'll be great when they uh, when they win this lottery and end up with Celebrini <laughs> and Connor Bedard. That'll they get be a their lot cane, of, man. That's all they need. They that'll need be cane. a lot of fun for all of us <laughs> when they have two superstars again. Um, I, I want to talk a little about that first period and how— yeah, I think a lot of us coming out of the win, like Saturday was a big loss. For sure. You can paint it any way you want. It is just one game, but it's a nationally televised game in a big spotlight against your number one. Like that's the team chasing you down for your playoff 76, spot. 76,000 for what we saw, man. Yeah, it's that's the team chasing you down for a playoff spot. And you, I don't think they played 
bad on Saturday, but they weren't good. They weren't at their best by far. So I wanted to just see them come out and beat a uh, a bad team, a really bad Chicago Blackhawks team. And after the first period, my blood pressure was raising. I was already <laughs> I, I was already getting uh, uh, comments on Twitter like, "Oh, are we going to see?" Like Bill and San Jose form again. Like, is it going to be that kind of game? And as this team's expectations rise, because listen, we're 16 days till the trade deadline. They're in a playoff spot, dude. We're talking that playoffs. I, that means I expect them to make the playoffs. And that, in order to do that, you have to win games like this. And after the first period, I needed to chill. When you need to chill, hey. do it with an ice cool, old, ice cold Coors Light. See, I fit that you one in there. That, Had to man. shoehorn it in, uh, <laughs> but it was. I thought it was a really good effort after the first because they just, man, in the first period there were like two or three turnovers that were the cause of flyers running into each other in the offensive zone for a break the other way and they just really had to tighten up and not make mistakes that chicago could capitalize on and i thought they did an excellent job in the final 40 minutes of just cleaning up those mistakes because that's the only way a bad team is going to beat you self-inflicted uh wounds like if yeah. you avoid that you will win the game and they were able to in the final 40 we chilled out and so too did the flyers in route to a 3-1 yes, we win. did I was intrigued how this team would look because ever since after the final whistle against the Devils, Tortorella made it evident that this was an important game. And obviously we look kind of ahead this upcoming weekend. It's tough two Metro teams. It was important to get the job done here, but I'm curious what Torts did. I want to talk to maybe Charlie Assam as well. I want to see what Torts said after that first period, because after that, those guys turn it on and they grinded out that second period and a little bit in that third period as well, but they got back to flyer hockey that got them to this spot, working their ass off, playing extremely physical. We got a nice little fight from next year. They got everybody going, including including us here in the studio. Uh, so the de the attention to detail, some something that that King Lundquist said as well. You know, the attention to detail with Torts, you you see it here, you see it here, you saw it in that second and third period. Uh, so seems moving along, Bill. Yeah, and uh, I was. Uh, you mentioned this fight from Sealer. They're up three-one in the third, and it's like, do you need to fight in this spot? No, I always go back to the uh, the Carcillo Talbot the sh <laughs> fight when the Flyers have a commanding lead, and then all of a sudden, boom, Pittsburgh takes over. Now it's a little bit different of a situation. Like Pittsburgh has a ton of really good players. <laughs> the Chicago team does not, but I wanted to see how the Flyers responded after that fight because it might inspire Chicago a little bit to push at the end. And they had their push. They had the net empty, two-goal game. But for the most part, I thought the Flyers, even after that fight, did a good job of, uh, of maintaining momentum. Let me take a quick pause to tell you about one of our newest partners here at PHLY. Man, if you're wondering, like, man, PHLY, they're blown. Yeah, they are. Look at all the new partners we've brought in over the while. We Things are going real well over here and. I got to tell you about Empire Today. I am hey. excited for this one mostly because it's, it's a uh, legendary jingle that I'm going to get to do. But <laughs> with Empire Today, you get shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional inst installation, and a price match guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to get new flooring. Of course, you know, they have copycats. You, you've probably heard a million commercials for different flooring uh, options. But those copycats can't, cannot beat Empire today on quality, service, speed. So they advertise low-quality products that Empire simply won't carry. Empire today promises the lowest price. Uh, Empire today won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does that is putting flooring in your home that they wouldn't put in their own. 
The philosophy at Empire is to help you find what find help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What we leave out of our selection is as important what we put in. Empire's product team exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. And the virtual floor designer is a great way to see how new floors will look as I open up another window. See how great <laughs> floors will look in any space. It's easy. Just snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in your room. So schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount hey. when they use the promo code PHLY. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash PHLY for details. 1-800-588-2300-EMPIRE. Uh, that part isn't in the read, but I have to do it. I went on their <laughs> website to make sure it's still like one of their numbers, and it is. But uh, yeah, empire awesome. empiretoday.com slash PHLY for details. One of our newest great partners here at PHLY. Uh, I want to talk a little about Flyers line combinations yes. tonight. Um, you know, with, with the 11 forwards, things get jumbled and you get all sorts of different combinations. But one that really stood out in terms of offensive creation and really just setting the tone in this game was uh, Frost with Farabee and TK. That is a really strong line for yeah. this team. And as they're kind of you know, with these 11 forwards, trying to find the right spot for everyone, you have a lot of square pegs, round holes right now. It's like, what the hell does Cam Atkinson do? Who can we put with Coots that can maybe help out offensively? We have Owen Tippett, but you need more of a puck handler, a guy who can control there, and they don't really have that on that line, especially with Bobby Brink down in the AHL. But that top line with Frost, Farabee, and TK was really good tonight. And TK, once he scored that goal, that's when we chilled. That was the everyone drink at Coors Light. This is some good stuff. The Flyers are going to win this game. No, it's funny because, Bill, we talk about the star potential for Travis Konechny and like that type of moment where it's a 1-1 game. We emphasize the importance of this game. And he stole that moment right then and there. And you felt the confidence from the team. Like they got that win. Winning the puck in the neutral zone. And and to be able to get that puck off, it, it was a, that was a nasty shot. I, I, think the, I think this whole neighborhood hurt me after that goal because it was an absolute nasty Filthy. shot. Um, I, I love seeing TK going at it with Phillips, although uh, Joel Faraby caught a little bit of the high stick <laughs> from that did, moment there. But you do like to see TK doing TK things out there. But no, I love this line because obviously you have the skill of Joel and TK that we all know. Morgan's confidence is, is rising as we speak. And so I feel like they just feed off of each other. And you saw a lot of chances here tonight. Like they had, yeah, like they had the most ice time on there as well. So it's a lot of fun. I think this is a line that Torch should build off of. And they're trying to find some other combinations and yeah. maybe after the trade deadline, they go back to a more, uh, more formal lineup with the 12, six, but I saw a trio out there tonight that really intrigued me. I don't want to, I'm going to get Charlie's, uh, uh, thoughts on this when he joins us, but Garnett Hathaway, uh, scores a six goal of the season. He has two goals in the last three games. He had eight hits, three shots and 15 minutes of ice time, a big block late in the third, I thought he was one of the best players on the ice tonight. He, with Ryan Paling and Noah Cates, seems like it could be a really, really strong checking line. Maybe ultimately you for want sure. it to be a fourth line on a really good team. Mm -hmm. But for a team looking to just find some other consistent uh, duos and trios for their, uh, for their forward lines, 
I really like what this could be. And moving uh, Cates to moving Cates to the wing again, that seems to be where he's going to be the most effective. Mm-hmm. Played a ton of center. He was their de facto first line center last year, and you know that's not ideal for anyone. It is not yeah. his natural position, let alone where he belongs in the lineup. We've been waiting for him to break out. Charlie's been high on Cates this uh, last couple of weeks, yeah. saying he sees something coming, but. I gotta say, other than the uh, the TK Frost Faraby line, I thought this was the uh, the Flyers' most effective forward line tonight. Yeah, and it's because like those things that Torts does predicate this line really emphasizes, and that's that physicality. You know, even like a guy like Noah Cates, who we want some more offensive production from. Bill, he, he, I saw him tonight going after it with the check. He was really physical in general. You know, Paling and Hathaway, they're gonna do the dirty work in the dirty areas. And so that's what makes this line so special. Obviously, Hathaway with that big goal, fighting in in in, uh, in front of the net, getting that that puck in net as well. Uh, so I just love the physicality that these guys bring. Now, if we can just get some more offense from Cates, I would love that as it, well. It would be really <laughs> nice if anyone uh, other than TK basically right. produced that's some true. offense and Owen tip it every two three games. But I, I gotta like. The way that line scored and the way that they play, they're all three good four checkers, three gritty guys. They know how to play down low in the zone. Garnet Hathaway goes to the net and gets that goal. That's not how the Flyers score, and I think it can just give them a little bit of an X factor as we come down the stretch. And if this team has to play a little less rushed base, now that's their bread and butter. It's how they're going to score a majority of their goals. But if you can just add... A few goals off the cycle, a few goals off of hard work down low where you finally get the puck at down front, score a greasy goal, that's going to increase the ceiling. It's going to raise the ceiling for this team. I am really excited. Like, end of the day, like that's an okay third line and a pretty good fourth line. I don't want to like, oh, I'm super excited about what this trio <laughs> could be. But I'm just seeing, like, seeing that's something coming together, right. especially for team it seems as if there's a really good chance they're going to trade Scott Lawton. It's like, okay, who's going to fill, who's going to fill that role. It seems like they have three guys right there who are kind of willing and able to fill what Lawton gives you. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously you have a lot of guys, especially in that bottom six that kind of do a lot of the uh, same things there. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, right. Obviously we talk about the power play issues, Obviously, skill is something we are lacking. We do have some skilled players, but obviously, when you look at some of the other teams, especially around the NHL, your Boston's, your Edmonton's of the world, you see the talent there. But if you're gonna if you're gonna win, you're gonna win like this. You're gonna grind it out, especially with some of these bottom six guys. And so we're gonna, we're gonna see how this continues, especially through the deadline. And obviously, a lot of a lot of lingering names out here during the deadline time, but. I really do like what the development's been going on with some of these other players, especially these you players too. No, it's uh, the couple of really, I mean, underrated signings at the time. Ryan Paling made sense to me. It was like, okay, here's a guy who, like, still pretty young. You know, I always go back to he played one game in the NHL his first season, scored a hat trick in that final game of the year, and I picked him for rookie of the year next year. I think he only had like six or seven goals that season. But a guy with a little bit of offensive upside, obviously we see the speed. Like, that made sense. Like, all right, there's tools. He's still young. Garnet Hathaway was like, I don't know. He's a bottom six checker. What does he really, what does a rebuilding team need from a Garnet Hathaway? How does this make sense? It seems to make really good sense. Yeah. It was a couple of under-the-radar-ish moves that Danny Briere made this offseason that are paying dividends now for a team 
that should make the playoffs. Yeah. It's really exciting to see those sorts of moves paying off for this team because that's the type of thing that so often in the previous two regimes, it was like, and we're getting nothing out of these guys. Yeah, and you know what it is, Bill? Like, I think an important thing in sports in general doesn't matter if it's hockey, basketball, whatever it is, finding an identity. And I think that's what Breer wanted to do with building this team for 23-24 is bringing in that identity. Yeah, we may not have the skill just yet. We're still building to that. We're still getting those assets to, to build towards that. But for this year, no one, and I mean no one's going to outwork the Philadelphia Flyers. And adding guys like Palin, adding guys like Sean Walker, Garnett Hathaway, they've really contributed to that. And it's from everything that we've been talking about with all the dirty work that they've been doing. So this is the identity with this Flyers team for right now. And it's the reason why we're in third place in the Metro. We're looking at a playoff spot. We just got to keep this up. It is uh, someone. Uh, it's it's a it's a nice win for this team. I don't want to overblow it. They should beat Chicago, but sure. that's what we're talking about right now. Is raised expectations for this team. Like, and that's another thing. Like, I want to ask Charlie if like everything they've been through this year, how they're yeah. dealing with now. The expectation is you should beat the bad teams. They've played some really good games against really good teams. Yeah. They have some big wins this year, but they've stumbled a bit against teams that you would say. You know, through the 55 or whatever games, close to 60 games they've played, like have not been very good, but somehow that's where the Flyers struggle most. I want to know how this team is responding to the expectations of like, yeah, you're rebuilding and all, but you're also better than half the league. Like you are considerably better than half the teams in this league. That's what your record says. You are what your record says you are at this point in the season. There's no more, well, it's early. Let's see what teams do. Like, no, teams are loading up for the stretch run right now. It's 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 here, and the Flyers are winning games. The ex have your how have your expectations changed over even the last couple of months? I mean, it's it's definitely changed. I mean, this was a, a, a Flyers team this year. Or Bill, I was just hoping that they would just give us good hockey. That's all I was asking for. Just give me a a product out there that's good to watch. Because obviously, for the past couple of years, it hasn't been the best product whatsoever. It's been extremely frustrating as well. And so having leadership too, like good leadership all throughout the organization, whether it be the coaching or the front office, but towards as of late, especially since that Jersey game, emphasizing that there is a lot of hockey left. Obviously, you're going to get the questions, Torts, how are you handling the playoff run? And Torts' answer is simple. Is you got to take it one game at a time. There's no way that you can look ahead at a month from now. You got to look at Chicago, and now you got to look at the Rangers because that's our next game. So I really think that this team has really built a good foundation. And I think that's why the expectation right now, Bill, is playoffs. I don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. That I really honestly don't care about. I just want to go into the playoffs a la 07 Phillies and then just, just see what happens in that first round. No, and that's – there. it is a house money season, so it's not like, wow, everything, Matt. Like, I get that they're probably going to sell some guys and some guys who have been key contributors for this team. Uh, I mean – Scott Lawton has had his ups and downs this year, missing that empty net. I I don't know how the hell that Jeez. happened, but he has been better lately. I don't think he played the strongest game tonight, uh, but it's, it is fun to see this team. Like I want to know more about how this team is kind of coming together under these unforeseen circumstances. Now I will say that uh, I listened into, I think it was the Jeff Marrick show today. Okay. Um, with the Flyers uh, in Toronto last week, like the, a lot of national, the hockey media has had a chance to catch up with the Flyers. And there is a lot of, we always thought we were better than this, uh, better than what everyone was saying in the room. 
And maybe that was true, but like after the season they had last year, really the last two years, it was like, you can believe that all you want. Is it true though? You know, and it's, they've come together though. And whether it's that us against them mentality that they've been able to carry over, maybe it is just a tremendous coaching job by torts, but it's going to be fun to see how this team responds as the expectations continue to grow and they start to play more really tough games like they have coming up this weekend. Yeah. I mean, this, this week in general was a really good test because obviously you know, it could be easy to look over Chicago as we always talk, as we talked about here, but it's the the real test is now, Bill, because you got two teams in the Metro. I mean, listen, the Rangers, we all know the Rangers and we all know what the Rangers have done to us the past couple of years. And I'm worried about, you know, the blue sea coming down here, but uh, on Sunday, it, the Penguins, listen, they're, they're not, they're not the same team, but it's Pittsburgh, it's Philadelphia records do not matter as we always know. So it's, it's going to be a tough test. So this week, it's going to be really telling of what kind of team we're going to have going forward. I really do think so. And especially that Penguins game. I'm looking forward to that one because it's, uh, I mean, the Penguins aren't as good as the Devils, but they're in a similar situation where you can create, you can, I don't want to say end their season because there's still significant amount of hockey left. Yeah. But you can really bury them. You can lower the number of people, uh, lower the number of teams chasing you for this spot and make it so it's just the devils. Like you can take away the other potential suitors for that third spot in the Metro, maybe one of the wild cards, although that looks like it's going to go to two Atlantic teams. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how, yes, the Rangers are a real test because they're freaking good, but the Penguins, another team that the Flyers are better than, I want to see how they, uh, how they, how they play in that game. And now let's see the one and only Philadelphia's number one beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor coming to us live from Chicago. Chicago. How are you tonight, Chuck? Very well. Oh, you look, you look great tonight. The uh, Skype logo, but no, it's um, Charlie. I just wanted to ask you a big win for this team. Bounce back after the two straight losses, a pretty devastating loss on Saturday up at MetLife. A lot of things to get to, so I have to ask you the most important question on everyone's mind. Did you trace? Did you chase down the origin of the paper Italian nickname? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you would. Um, Charlie, this game was kind of the... Uh, they can't hear him? Okay, the uh, Charlie, we got to reconnect. It doesn't sound like uh, doesn't sound like they can hear you. Uh, but my next question for uh, for Charlie is going to be just what the difference was between the first and second period because it was so starkly different. The number of chances Chicago got in the first period off of mistakes on the rush, two on ones, odd man rushes, and then they kind of just took that away. Uh, I want to know if like Charlie from his seat, you know, up in the press box was able to decipher any actual adjustments they made, or if it was just like, boy, stop fucking up. We are yeah. better than this team. Yeah. I would love to hear it as well. I wonder if it was just, a, you know, one of those cases where, you know, you're gripping your stick a little too hard, your skate, you're, you're slamming on the ice a little bit too hard with the skates as well. I wonder if they were just a little bit too tight. Cause obviously we talked about it towards preparation before, before the game. So we will see here. We got Chuck. No, Charlie, no Chuck. I can hear him, but they can't. So that's really what matters if the audience can't hear him. Uh, it was funny, though, because John Tortorella, after Saturday's game, did say that game against Chicago scares the shit out of him. Because mm -hmm. it's. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't. The Flyers aren't in a position to overlook teams, they're not that good. But 
they are, like we've said so many times, better than Chicago. So it was going to be a test of just like mental readiness and being in the right state of mind. And whether they were or weren't to start the game, they got there. And I will say that's that's an impressive, like, everyone just take a deep breath and play your game. Like, yeah. that's what they had to do. Let's just start playing the way we play because we will take over and they were able to. And as we all know, Bill, the flyer way, anything can happen. We saw the Sharks. Yeah. So that's why, like, listen, especially you talked about after that first period of being nervous. It's unfortunate, but you do have to kind of, I don't know, Bill, every single time you're thinking to yourself like, oh, man, the flyer's about to flyer. They turn around and, and they play well. I can see Charlie now. That seems like a good sign. There he is. Uh, are we able, are people able to hear Chuck? All right. One second. Okay. We'll, we'll keep vamping until we're told that people can hear Charlie. His face is now gone. Um, <laughs> well, Bill, I, I did. I, I think everyone wants to know as well. You were down at MetLife Stadium on Saturday. I was extremely jealous. I want to know about your time, Bill. It huh? was freaking fun, man. Now, I had, um, luckily, and game time is not one of our reads tonight, but luckily, uh, we we went with using the game time okay. app and the seat finder. At my friends who were like a couple section, sections over, a couple friends were section up. They said it was tough to see. You were so far away. I thought I had pretty damn good seats. I was like in the back corner uh, okay. by near around the 20-yard line or so. Okay. And I thought I had a really good view, but it was it was a good time. They put on a good show there. Uh, MetLife is, I mean, if nothing else, it really makes me appreciate the uh, sports complex. Whenever I go anywhere else, my first takeaway is like, damn, I love the sports complex. Yeah. But no, it was, it was a cool time. The outdoor games, uh, you guys were talking about them some on your, on your post game on Saturday. Like, Maybe the grand spectacle to the entire hockey world isn't what they used to be. But when you go, it's always a really freaking fun time. And that's the way it was. It would have been a lot more fun if the Flyers had won. Uh, I was surrounded by a lot of Devils fans, and they that's were having crazy. a lot of fun yelling at me. I'm there with you know Chris, and he's taking videos of me. And it was really, really uh, a great time trying to yell over everyone just walking by, Philly sucks, go back to Philly, <laughs> as I'm like trying to give these updates for the stuff we have to do. But it's, uh, anyone who hasn't been to an outdoor game, it really is a tremendous celebration of hockey. I highly recommend them. I've never missed a Flyers outdoor game. I will never miss a Flyers outdoor game. You heard it here. Uh, it would be nice if they started winning some of them, <laughs> but you know, one one four and one now in outdoor games. But I I had an awesome time. Uh, thank you to Game Time and everyone who uh, contributed to our trip up there. It was I mean, me and my buddies got a party bus. There's like 12, 13 of us on. It was it was a shit show. It's a huge. It was huge an absolute. <laughs> It was debauchery. How many layers did you wear? It wasn't. That was one of the cool things about where I was sitting. Okay. It wasn't that cold for me. I was like in front of this like glass enclosed area, like almost like the Phillies Hall of Fame club. Okay. Like where you like basically go through doors to get into a different section. Like my seats were outside, but I could go in there and had there to warm up at intermission and like no wind behind me or anything. So that was cool. But it was freaking cold, man. Like it was... It was every bit as cold as they said it was going to be. I just happened to once again have seemed to be the perfect seats for this for the circumstances. I, we were talking about it on Saturday, but like the gaslight at me was that, that the one who did the goal song for the yeah, Devils? I think so. Felt bad for them in the <laughs> cold. What a weird setup of like. So you're just going to sit there, 
and wait for a goal. Like, luckily, they didn't have to wait. I mean, luckily for them, they only had to wait 30 seconds for the first Devils goal. So they were, and they scored six. So they kept busy. But, like, that's a long time to just be doing nothing. Like, that's, it's a very weird thing. But the NHL tries to make these unique events. They try to make them specific for the, uh, for the target audience that is there. And I thought they did a pretty damn good job. Also, shout out to, uh, to was it Clarence Clemens' son or his nephew who did the uh, national anthem on the sax? That was great. I think it was the son, yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that Tyler was, Zuli was giving, letting us know here. Yeah. Uh, but that was, that, was, that was definitely really cool, man. It, lo- it looked like a lot of fun. I, I, it's my dream to go to one as well. I, I hope to go to one as well because it is it is so dope. So is Hopefully hockey- next one we get to do a live show from the game. You see that? I like that. I like that. Is hockey meant to be outside, Bill? <sighs> Yes and no. I mean, like, it's fun in these huge 80,000-seat state. Like, it's pretty cool. But I, I've been to all of the Flyers ones. The ones at ballparks are way better. Football stadiums are just too big. Yeah. Like, you are just too far away in the football stadiums. And, like, the way they – it's not like they can just play on some pond in Saskatchewan and be like, oh, yeah, we can fit 20,000 people. <laughs> like, I get that that's just not going to happen. Like, this ain't Mystery Alaska. Uh, but – I, yeah, it's, I I love the outdoor games. I heard you and Kelly say like, maybe there's too many, like every team plays 41 home games. I've done the math before. That's a ton. Um, If three or four are outside, I don't think that's, oh, they've watered it down because they sell these fuckers out. (laughs) It's not as if no one's showing up for these things. Uh, Do we still have is, okay. All right. Uh, While we're waiting to see if we can get Charlie on, let me tell you, about my friends at FOCO, because FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. I say this all the time. I don't know if I'm actually allowed to say these things, but if you're on the internet at all and look at uh, officially licensed gear, I guarantee you FOCO better than what you see a lot of. Uh, And whether it's hoodies, jackets, beachwear, or even overalls, there is something for fans for almost every occasion. And if you're in that market for maybe some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your Man Cave, She Shed, or podcast set, you've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show. And for all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY10 for 10% off at foco today go to foco guarantee it's not the worst (laughs) maybe that's not the best tagline but i think you know what i'm saying i I, bill i I, real quick i do have to toot my own horn because uh we've been talking about some of our merch here at phly we have been finally got my dry my dry guy the fly guy t-shirt i absolutely love it the logo is better in person so guys make sure you head on over to the phly locker room because these are flying off like hotcakes, and it's a beautiful T-shirt. That's I have the Mad Russian hoodie on. Those things have been selling really well, too. Thank you to everyone who's been supporting the merch. We need you to keep doing it. Uh, and one of the first things I want to ask Charlie about is Jamie Drysdale tonight because we saw some of the good and some of the bad of uh, the Flyers' number nine, you know, newest newest acquired defenseman from the cutter Gauthier trade. Uh, we saw some of his creativity on a few offensive possessions, and we saw... Uh, some of the defensive lapses, uh, or at least to my eyes, uh, with uh, with Jamie Drysdale, it's going to be a work in progress for the 21-year-old. Now, I think he should be a little further along, but when we have talked to uh, some some of the Flyers brass, whether it's Keith Jones, whether it's Charlie in his discussions with uh, assistant GM uh, Brent Flair, whatever it might be, 
they say they believe that Drysdale was rushed to the NHL in Anaheim and he was not properly developed. And now that he's an established NHL guy, he's on, you know, multi-year deal. I think it's over two mil. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's here, man. Like right. he's he's here to stay. You're developing him at the NHL level. And you, I need to see him create a little more offense. We saw a bit of that tonight. They're trying to bring him along in the defensive zone. He's probably never going to be great there. Now we have seen this coaching staff work some magic with some defensemen. That is true. Who thought Nick Sealer was going to be a top four guy? Who thought Rasmus Ristolainen wasn't going to piss us off on a nightly basis? <laughs> who knew who Sean Walker was before he got here? Travis Sanheim looks like he doesn't suck. You know, <laughs> We've seen this come along with other guys, so you got to believe time will pay off with Drysdale. But, again, the expectations are raised. This isn't just a tanking, rebuilding season. I want to see a little more out of the kid. Yeah, no, we obviously got a young talent here that still needed some development from Anaheim, but it was still a really top-tier type of talent with Jamie Drysdale. Look, we talked about it. You know, every time we watch Jamie Drysdale skate, I, I mean, I, I'm in awe still every time I see him skate the length of the ice. Uh, obviously, I, I, I offensively would like some more creativity from him. I think it's just a matter of him acclimating himself with the team. I think it'll take some time. Uh, but defensively, it's really where the work is going to be. And like you said, I'm not sure where we're going to get with that, but I would like to believe that working with this coaching staff, being able to integrate himself with his, with the, with his teammates, playing more and you know, he's, he's and getting those partners as well. Those defensive partners, getting, getting those and permanent and, and, and getting the, that set lineup as well. I think that will help Jamie Drysdale as well. But I think overall, Jamie is such a great talent that we got in that trade considering the circumstances and I think that his development, you're going to see more as as time goes on, especially when we get a full season of Jamie Drysdale. And they showed uh, in the in the owner's box tonight or upstairs, wherever they were, with Keith Jones sitting next to him was Bob Murray. And he was a big part of Chicago. And then he was a big part of drafting Drysdale in Anaheim. And yeah. when we talked to Jonesy last time, uh, I could probably tell you we're doing it again Friday. We're sitting down with Keith Jones nice. uh, this Friday. We're going to the uh, Flyers training facility to nice. speak to him once again. But when we talked to him last month, he brought up Bob Murray and how that's kind of his job is to go around the world and find us some freaking defensemen. This is a guy who comes with that stamp. Uh, and it might take a while. Like I see uh, K Red says 20 young is 21 is so young for a D man. It really is. And like the, the way the league has gotten so young, especially with the top end guys. Now it's you expect so much from these dudes so early. Some guys just take a little longer. We yeah. see it. Uh, there's been so much talk about it with uh, the LA Kings. Quinton Byfield scored that ridiculous goal uh, last night or whatever it was a night or two ago. And it's like, they stuck with the plan with him took longer than everyone expected, and now it's really paying dividends. I think there could be a similar path with Drysdale where it's like, we want him to be awesome right now. We want that rookie Shane Goss to spare electricity again because that was so much fun and we remember it. It might just not be that. And I see, uh, I think it was K-Red. Yeah, I really think he needs a full camp to get the defensive side down. That could very well be. Um he is coming over from a totally different defensive system to this new one now under Torts and uh, and Bradshaw and the whole coaching staff. You hate to just be like, well, it's almost a lost year. He's just going to learn on the fly and you live with whatever you live with. But there is something to 
Like everyone, it's not like they can practice a ton this time of year. And it's not like when they do practice, it's, oh yeah, it's all out. Like full, like they're getting, they're getting warmed up. It's morning skates. It's like, all right, let's just practice the power play a little, do some different things, but it's not the full, like everything you can cover in a month, two month training camp. And we know how that towards camp is hell. uh, Just going through all of that and becoming more a part of the team. I do think that will help, but man, I, you know, going to the playoffs, kind of want them to contribute now too. Yeah. It's just like, we're living in these two worlds yeah. where they're trying to do two things at once. And it's all right, what, what can I reasonably expect? And what's maybe a little too far out of reach. You meant, you mentioned Sealer and Risto. I mean, let's look even better. Let's look at Sanheim and Cam York. I mean, not too long ago, this fan base was saying Sam Sanheim wasn't even worth that contract. And look at the guy that we got. He got a goal here tonight. He looked great. He's been looking, he's looked so much different from last year to this year. Cam York, I mean, going into this year, I didn't know what we had in Cam York. He looks like a legit defenseman as well. So if like those are some of our top young defensemen and we see the skill, the raw skill that Jamie Drysdale has, I mean, I, I feel really comfortable going forward here, especially with all these young defensemen that we've been having here. It's, it's about damn time. <laughs> And uh, while we're at it, let me tell you about my friends at Mortgage CS, baby. That's right, Mortgage CS. Uh, The spring purchase market is almost here, and it's heating up quickly. Many clients, especially first-time home buyers, are reaching out to our friends at Mortgage CS because they want to be ready when the rates drop. But I got to tell you, if that's your plan, you are not the only one. That is what everyone is thinking. We know right now... Interest rates a little high, might not be the best time to get in the housing market, but when they start to come down, people want to be ready to pounce. And that's why you need to reach out to Mortgage CS now, because when this all happens and the rates come down, there's going to be limited inventory and strong demand. Competition will remain extremely fierce. Now, I didn't do great in econ, but supply and demand, when there's a low supply of something, Prices are going to go up, so it's going to be hard. There's going to be competition for in the home buying market. If you want to get in, you have to get in touch with Mortgage CS now to prepare and ensure you will be able to stand out and make the strongest offer possible. And why is Mortgage CS qualified to do that? It's because what does that CS stand for, man? It's Mortgage Concierge Service. They're here to give you the white gloves treatment. They are here for all of your needs. A uh, they're a they're licensed coast to coast from. California, Colorado, D.C., Delaware, Florida, Maine, Maryland, Jersey, PA, South Carolina, Virginia, Washington. So spread the words to your friends. One of the aspects of Broad Street Hockey that I always love that we bring over to PHLY now is a not just hometown fan base. A lot of people from all over the world and all over the country. Well, guess what? Mortgage CS can help you in a lot of different places. Uh, So make sure you check out Mortgage CS for their exceptional customer service because when you hear the word mortgage, think of Mortgage CS, think of Ben and Alec. Save Ben's telephone number, 267-391-7425 to your phone or email him anytime, ben at mortgagecs.com. Call or text Ben anytime, day or night. And if you're not in the home market, talk Philly sports. Just be sure to check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to get started. This advertisement is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Mortgage CS is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker. All loans are subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions may apply. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. Visit mortgagecs.com for more information. 
Still, uh, okay, we're still troubleshooting Charlie. All right, so I want to bring up the most important stat of the night here. Sean Couture gets his first win as Flyers captain, ladies you know, and gentlemen. I was, I was worried. I was worried that the Sean Couturier captaincy was going to go down in flames before it ever really got started. But no, it is... Like, it is nice to get one in the win column. Like, I know we always like, oh, you know, wins aren't a quarterback stat. And especially, like, one guy on one hockey team. <laughs> like, it's hard to especially, oh, because he has a letter sewn on his sweater. But you want to get that first one. And they get that first one tonight. And I hope it leads to a lot more because he's going to be here. And that's what giving him the C meant. I think they were kind of waiting to make sure he found some semblance of his game. He appears to have now finding him line mates and stuff right now is proving a little difficult yeah. because of that frost Faraby TK line was so good. It's like, all right, how can we, well, Cam Atkinson, we have to play him somewhere. He's on the team and who else is available? <laughs> okay. Owen Tippett. That's it. That's the line. And everyone else just kind of falls in where they do in the 11 seven. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it, it, the, obviously, listen, we all know Coots's leadership in general, uh, it would be very helpful for offensive purposes to get him going again because we obviously know what Coots' talent is. Um, but, I mean, you know, it, it's just going to be funny because after every loss, I just know there's going to be even at least one person saying something about the C on his sweater. But at the end of the day, this is the captain. This was the right decision to make put that C on his sweater. It's, it got some um, praise by Boucher on the, on the broadcast today as well for being the captain. He did. I will say, though, uh, him reading out the starting lineup <laughs> – my man, I, I don't know if he's illiterate or he needs glasses like uh, Rick Wild thing Vaughn. He was like, like, these are your teammates' names. You can probably guess what it says. Like someone might, might give the man some help. He was like holding the paper up. Jeez, Bill, he, imagine you get hit in the head with that many pucks. <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah, I, just, I thought, and like I read, like I, I'm sitting here reading and I sound like I'm illiterate half the time anyway. <laughs> I'm here criticizing Sean Couture. But it was, it was a very funny start to the broadcast with him reading him oh are we sure we want to give him that c like they were joking on the on the panel like oh they might take it away from him now it was it was really funny charlie actually texted me like a minute or two into the game he was like why is everyone on twitter ripping coots already i was like oh you weren't watching the broadcast you're there um uh, he, he's blind I don't, I don't know but he's it's good to see the leadership group at least formed for now uh it's 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 cool for Sean Couturier. Like they showed the uh, the old highlights of the twenty four seven from his rookie year when he's living with Danny Briere. And Feels like it was yesterday. He's closer to Briere's you know kids' age than he is his teammate at the time. Like they're playing video games together, and now Briere's the GM and he's the captain, and it's really just a cool full circle moment. And I want success for this group for a lot of reasons, mostly for my own. You know, like. The Flyers start winning, we're, we're going to blow up pretty good. Uh, but for them, it's a really cool story, and I would like to see it eventually pay off. Coots and Breer definitely in the office did one of those like hot wings moments. Like, look at us, huh? Who would have thunk it, huh? <laughs> you and I, I'm captain, you're GM. <laughs> it's, it's a very cool, it's it's wild the way things have gone. Like seeing those clips from, from what, you know, 2011, 2012, so long ago. I was like, man, if we only knew then what I was like, you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't know what was gonna transpire over the next 10, 12 years. Because I probably good, wouldn't man. be in this chair. I probably would have given up on the Flyers and been like, no, that is way too much frustration and heartbreak. Uh 
not not going to make them my career. But I'm glad I didn't have that the benefit of hindsight, and I was an idiot fan who thought, yeah, they're going to win one soon. It was it was a fun time. We had a goal goaltender talking about the universe. We had the Rangers <laughs> coach as our coach. It was it was a fun time. It's fun time back then. It's it's been truly uh, ridiculous what has led to this. Uh, what has led to this did circumstance you, with Coots becoming the captain. Think after that era, Flyers hockey would be where we were the past couple of years. Past, I would say the past five seasons. No. Like, I thought eventually they would figure out a way to build around Drew and Voracek. And they just never did. And that's why we now are finally where we are, rebuilding. I know it's not the way a lot of people hoped they would rebuild. Uh, looking at Chicago and what they did. Now what they're currently doing again. Botting me out, getting the high-end talent, going from there. Uh, I can see Charlie. He looks great. Can we hear Charlie? <laughs> Hello? Hello. Is, Hi, it, Charlie. is it coming through, Andrew? All right, so we finally have Yay! Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor. Uh, Chuck, I, I made my joke early about the paper Italian, so we don't have to do that again. Just want to ask you about the first period and then the final 40 minutes of today's game. Was there, what was the difference? What changed for the Flyers? Was it just like, hey, everybody stop fucking up? Or did you see like an actual adjustment made on the ice? I think there were actual adjustments. I did ask some of the players about this after the game. The pro Look, the primary thing they fixed was they just didn't have as many bad turnovers. Because in the first period, they had the puck in the offensive zone most of the period. They outshot them dramatically. They had a ton of a ton of chances, a ton of shot attempts. The problem was, was that they'd have the puck in the offensive zone for 30 seconds. And then instead of that shift ending with either a goal or the goalie covering the puck or the puck going out of play, instead it would end with the Flyers turning the puck over and then Chicago would be off to the races. Generally, it would end with them turning the puck over like at the top of the uh, the offensive zone which makes it easier for you to go in transition, especially if you have a winger blasting out of the zone early, which Chicago was trying to do pretty much all night long. So number one, in the second period, the Flyers just avoided turnovers. They didn't have nearly as many with the puck in the offensive zone, which meant that Chicago just had fewer opportunities to transition because they just didn't have the puck. They never had an opportunity to transition. I also think, though, the Flyers did, um, they did try to work the puck down very low in the second period. That was something that I believe Travis Konechny hinted at after the game, that that was one adjustment they made, where basically they spent more time below the faceoff dots so that if they did turn the puck over, Chicago would have to go the length of the ice. They wouldn't just be able to get the puck right up near the blue line and then blast out of the zone. So I do think that was a tweak, and it probably had some impact on cutting down the transition rushes. However, I think the biggest reason why there weren't as many transition rushes was just because the Flyers did a better job in the second period at, at protecting the puck and avoiding turnovers as compared to – and I don't even think they were terrible in the first period. They had the puck most of the period. It was just that they turned the puck over too much in dangerous areas. The second period, I thought they mostly stopped doing that, and then they were able to just control possession without any of the negatives. For uh, a lot of the last month, the Flyers have been victimized by superstars, Charlie, uh, whether it's Matthews, Pasta, Kucherov, McKinnon. I'll even throw Heeshear in there. Not a superstar, but two goals and an assist. Pretty damn good outdoor game. Tonight, they're up against the you know rookie phenom, the next great player in Connor Bedard. How do you think they did against him defensively? 
I think they did fine. He didn't score. So there's that. I, they must not have done too bad if uh, if they didn't score. I thought the one thing that was interesting, too, uh, really interesting, actually, was that they really didn't use the Couturier line against Bedard. The line that primarily got the matchup was the Morgan Frost line. What's really interesting to me, and this is probably going to be the focus of my article uh, that I'll be writing after this game, I thought the frost Faraby connecting line was really effective. They generated a ton of shot attempts. You know, Faraby, I thought, had a really good play on the first goal. And then to connect, he obviously has the fantastic individual effort on his goal as well. John Giordarello did not like their game. He, he thought that they were too cavalier with the puck. He thought that they played uh, too east-west, not enough north-south. He was not happy with how they played. It's funny because the numbers don't back up his evaluation at all. But I can tell you that John Tortorella was much happier with the play of the Noah Cates line, who he did praise after the game, as compared to the Morgan Frost line, who he was not really willing to give them much credit credit at all, even though they had the puck all the time and created a ton of chances, I thought. Hey, Charlie, JP over here. First off, love the haircut. Fresh haircut. I love it, Charlie. Uh, wanna, I'll stay on to Connor Bedard. A lot of us were anticipating seeing him for the first time. Your first impressions on Connor Bedard, Charlie, what were they? Yeah, he's really impressive in person. I, I didn't think he was dominant in this game, but that one play that he had on the rush against Nick Sealer, I know the broadcast highlighted it a ton, the little stick lift and then gets off what was, wasn't an amazing shot, but it was a tricky shot. It was a tough save by Arison. He kind of had to get it with his toe. Uh, just a quick little off balance shot that surprises goalies. He showed his skill there. The one thing that really does pop though in person, I don't know how much it pops while watching on television, but what pops in person is his skating ability. Like he can separate through the neutral zone with the puck, without the puck, he can fly. And I know he gets a lot of hype for his shot, unsurprisingly so. It's probably one of the five or 10 best shots in the NHL right now as a rookie, but he can fly, man. This kid can skate. And when you, you just get the sense that he's already pretty darn good, but the sky is truly the limit with this kid if he has that kind of puck skill with that kind of skating ability and the ability to already have a plus-plus shot at the NHL level, he's going to be real good. And now it just comes down to whether Chicago can build a team around him, but there's certainly, if they screw up around Connor Bedard, they really screwed up because he's, he's legit. And this wasn't even one of his better games. No, uh, and I thought the Flyers did a pretty good job against him. Three shots on goal in 25 minutes, no points. It's hard to do much better than that. Charlie, you mentioned uh, John Tortorella liked the uh, Kate's Hathaway paling group. I thought uh, outside of the top line, they were really good. I thought that was maybe the standout line of the night. Garnett Hathaway, sixth goal of the season. He's got two goals in the last three games. Had eight hits, three shots on goal, 15 minutes on the ice tonight. Big block in the third. Watching that trio, uh, it's probably, you know, a really, really good fourth line. I'm just looking at it like as a, uh, that could be an effective checking line for a team. What did you think of those three together tonight? Yeah, I think number one, I mean, Hathaway got the dog mask, deservedly so. He was really good in this game, and he's finally getting rewarded for what I think has been a pretty strong season by him. I think I've been consistently impressed by Garnet Hathaway, and I've been surprised that it hasn't, you know, translated into the kind of scoring numbers I feel like he deserves. Now he has two goals in his last three games, so I'm happy for him. He's getting rewarded for his strong play. That line just seems to click, and, you know, Hathaway is just being Hathaway. 
I don't think Hathaway is playing any or substantially better than he's played most of the year. It's just that now the pucks are going in for him a little bit, which makes it seem like he's playing better. But I just see him playing his normal game. Ryan Palin, kind of the same thing, more or less just playing his normal game. The guy who I see playing legitimately better right now is Noah Cates. I think he is his game is kind of rounding back into form. He got off to that slow start, particularly offensively. Then he had the injury. He had a couple strong games right after he came back. Then it seemed like he dipped a bit. I feel like on this line, he is finding his rhythm again. And it's been cool to see because as I tweeted out during the game, as disappointing of a year as Noah Cates has had, and it's been disappointing. You expected a lot more from him, especially offensively, especially after how impressive he was last year. His underlying 505 metrics this year, still really good. He's still grading out as a really good defensive player. The Flyers have collected almost 60% of the expected goals of him on the ice this year at five on five. Like the good things are still happening with Noah Cates on the ice. It's just that over the last few games with this line, with Paling and Hathaway, it just seems like Cates has been more assertive. He's doing more things directly with the puck. And you saw it on that goal that the Hathaway scored tonight. Like, great play by Hathaway. Cleans up the trash. It's a dirty, greasy goal. Exactly what he needs to do. He doesn't get the chance to do that if Noah Cates doesn't get that puck on net as quickly as he did. And put a puck on net in a way that it creates a rebound that Hathaway can take advantage of. What I'm seeing is I'm seeing Noah Cates coming back into form. And that's exciting, especially given the fact that, like, the article I think I'm more or less going to write after this game is that the Flyers right now are a two-line team. They are. The 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 Frost line looks like it can create a lot of offense. That line looks like a hell of a checking line. The Couturier line, they just don't got it right now. And because they continue to insist upon playing 11 forwards, the fourth line isn't even really a line. Like, it's just a hodgepodge. So they're very lucky that Noah Cates is rounding back into form and Garnet Hathaway is starting to score some goals finally because they don't have a lot of lines that are working real well right now. Charlie, real quick, um, two-part two question here. So first, I want to get your thoughts on Sam Harrison. 21 saves on 22 shots. Obviously, Chicago struggles to score the puck a little bit, but this has to help his confidence. And then Corey shouts to you, gave us a $2 tip here. He wants to know if you had some deep dish pizza in Chicago. I uh, I did not have a chance to get deep dish. Maybe I might try to grab some before I leave tomorrow because I leave in the early afternoon. Uh, I instead, because my hotel was right near um, the uh, the Harry Carey's Italian Steakhouse. So for lunch, I got some pasta and that was real good. Some like shrimp pasta. So I went with that over the uh, over the deep dish. But deep dish, very, very good food. It's not pizza, but it's very good food. So I am a deep dish fan. I just don't think it qualifies as pizza. It's its own separate entity that is also very tasty. So did not get it. Maybe we'll try to grab some tomorrow before I leave Chicago. Now getting back to Sam Harrison. I mean, I think he set the tone for this game with that incredible save on Radish in the first period. That was that was a gem. That was a uh, as a top 10 play of the night on ESPN if, if they still care about hockey. Um, <laughs> He was real good, and I more or less asked him after the game, like, everybody knows that he didn't play that well on Saturday in the Stadium Series game. However, as a goalie, given the unique nature of the game, do you just kind of throw out the tape of that game, you know, throw it in the trash and be like, hey, that was that was a unique set of circumstances. Let me just forget about it and turn the page. And Arison is a very 
uh, I wouldn't say guard it, but he's a very professional interviewer. Really, really nice kid. But he watches what he says. He's very careful um, about what he says. But he more or less said, like, look, I'm always trying to improve. I don't throw any of my tape out. Like, I want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. However, it was a unique game. He straight up was like, it was an event. It wasn't a game. And he's 100% right. So to me, this game was way more like applicable to like evaluating him as a goalie. And I thought in this game, he was real good. I thought it was really cool that, uh, and I wasn't watching the broadcast, but I saw a bunch of people on Twitter mention this, that his countryman Henrik Lundqvist was praising the hell out of him on TNT during this game. I actually brought that up to Arison and he got a little smile on his face and he's like, you know, he's an all time great, obviously, you know, one of the best goalies ever for my country. So that's really cool to hear. Um, but uh, I thought Arison was strong tonight. I think Arison has been strong most nights. And as I said, after the stadium series game, I, he obviously wasn't great in that game, but I wasn't going to bury him for struggling in a game where pretty much all goalies struggle. And tonight he went back to playing like the pretty good starting NHL goalie. I believe he already is. All right, Charlie, thank you for uh, bearing with us through the technical issues. We're going to get the three stars now because you're going to get kicked out of there soon. Uh, so without any further ado, it's time for Charlie O'Connor's three stars leading off with number three. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with Sam Harrison, but he had a strong game, uh, made some big saves when he had to. Um, I don't think he faced a ton of a ton of shots, but I thought most of the shots he faced were quality shots, especially in that first period when they were attacking the Flyers in transition uh, on odd man rushes. I thought Harrison was really strong when he had to be, and I think he's a deserving third star. Let's get to star number two. Star number two, I am going to go with, eh, you know what? I'm going back and forth here because there's two possible options. I'm going to stick with my guns and go with the player who I feel like was first star, even if John Tortorella might disagree. So second star is going to be Garnet Hathaway. Strong game, gets a goal, you know, kind of puts the game out of reach for, uh, for the Blackhawks with his greasy goal a really important cog on a strong line with Noah Cates and Ryan Paling. I like the fact that he's getting rewarded for his play. He was really physical as usual. He was noticeable all game. I just think he's, he's the prototypical new age NHL fourth liner, in my opinion, because he brings the old school things, the things that you think a fourth liner should be, at least the traditionalists think a fourth liner should be, but he also is skilled enough that he can, be solid by the advanced metrics. He can actually put the puck in the net. He can do tangible things while also bringing the intangible value. It's just nice to see him get rewarded because I think he's been strong all year. It's just now pucks are finally starting to go in for him. So giving him star number two. And now we can probably just play a recording of two thirds of the Flyers first stars of the season. Who do you got at number one? Yeah, it's Travis Konechny. I, I think okay. one thing that I'm going to point out in my story, but I, I don't know if this was pointed out on the broadcast, but it's something that I very much noticed. Travis Konechny scores that goal. That is a individual effort goal. He begins that rush up ice with a minute into a shift. He was at the end of a shift, and he still absolutely scorches uh, to Nordy on the rush. I talked to, uh, to John Tortorella about this after the game. I mentioned the fact that he was at the end of his shift and Torts was like, look, we're always going to bring up to these guys. We don't want them staying out there too long. However, and this was a really interesting comparison from John Tortorella. He said, look, I coached at Columbus a long time. Artemi Panarin <laughs> was one of the best players at playing tired. 
that I have ever had that he would just find another gear when you thought he was gassed. He would find another gear at the end of his shift and do something cool. And he's like, Connecty has a little bit of that to him where you might think he's gassed and then somehow he just finds it in him. Connecty just has that ability. And it's that ability and it's that unique aspect of his play and who he is as a player that leads John Tortorella to give him a long leash. You know, we talked about it a little bit after Saturday's game about Konechny takes that bad penalty. He was a little bit, maybe a little bit too emotional in that game. It halts the team's momentum in the second period. And John Tortorella after the game said, look, would I rather him not take that penalty? Yeah, of course I'd rather not him take that penalty. However, if I don't let Travis Konechny be Travis Konechny, I'm going to cut down on his, his effectiveness in all other aspects of the game. I thought tonight was a perfect example of why you let Travis Konechny be Travis Konechny because he just might, 55 seconds into a shift, go end-to-end and score a game-winning goal for you. All right, Charlie, thank you for joining us. You are free to go. Make sure you go have a couple ice-cold Coors Lights and enjoy yourself, and we will talk again on Friday. See you, Charlie. Will do. Will do, guys. That was Philadelphia's number one beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor, coming to us live from Chicago. Uh, And while we're just kind of wrapping up here, there's a few more things I want to talk to Charlie about. We'll take care of all that on Friday's show. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for hanging with us through the technical issues. Thanks, uh, behind the glass. Well, there's no glass, but you you, you know what I mean. (laughs) To our producer, Andrew, for handling all that. Uh, I want to talk to you about our takeover on March 14th. That's right, baby. Flyers and Leafs at the Wells Fargo Center with a meetup in the assembly room to get a ticket to the game. Hang out with me. Hang out with Charlie. Uh, JP, I believe, is going to be there. We'll see. Uh, is that when your vacation is, or is that before? I will I will be in, in Puerto Rico. For oh, you will be away, but I believe Kelly Hinkle will be there as there well. Go. So it's going to be the PHLY Flyers crew. Just go to allphly.com slash events to go to this uh Go to this awesome, awesome event that we're going to put together. The last one was a success. We're looking yeah. to make this one even better. And thanks to our friends at Olipop yeah. for sponsoring this one. Uh, drink your Olipop, ladies and gentlemen. Do you have uh, anything else tonight, JP? No, listen, this was one where you needed to get. It's going to be a tough one this weekend, which we will have here. A couple afternoon games, which is fun here on the weekends here. We still get to enjoy the rest of our day. It is. It's nice having the night. However... Flyers just traditionally have not fared well in afternoon games. Maybe we just always remember the losses. It's like gambling. You remember your losses, not your wins. You know, when things go your way, you're like, oh, yeah, well, that's the way they were supposed to go. And when they don't, you're like, God damn it. (laughs) And that's maybe how we remember uh, day games. But typically they haven't been great to my memory. We'll see how this the next couple go. But that's going to do it for us uh, tomorrow. We are not we do not have a show, but I will have another sit down with uh, Rachel Dory who is absolutely outstanding. She was great the last time she's on. She's coming back, uh, I think, once a week through at least the trade deadline. We'll see how that goes. And on Friday, as I mentioned, a regular live show. Plus, we're talking to Keith Jones again. So a lot of fun stuff coming up on and off the air for PHLY Flyers. But that will do it for us tonight. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, follow us everywhere at PHLY underscore Flyers on Twitter. uh, PHLY Flyers, wherever there are podcasts, right here in the YouTube page. Like and subscribe. Set your reminders so you never miss a show. You know the drill. This has been Mortgage. This has been PHLY Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. Thank you all. My name is Bill Matz for JP Zapata. Did I get that right? Was that right?
I really <laughs> feel like Zimbabwe, I didn't yeah. say what I said. Anyway, for JP Zapata, <laughs> for Charlie O'Connor, RIP Dr. Hook. Thank you.